Very, very special episode of the Protectors Podcast, episode 300 something. I don't even know. Gene, what are we on now? 300 or something? It's like, it's like, like 329. I don't even know. You know, and one thing I didn't do before we're doing a pre interview here is introduce Gene to Clint. But first, let's introduce Clint Emerson, <laughs> Navy SEAL extraordinaire, agency type extraordinary, 100 deadly skills can kill you with a toothpick. Welcome to the show, and then welcome to my awesome co-host, Gene O'Neill. Hey. Thanks for having me again. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, Clint, I did, Clint uh, Gene and I work together. Gene's like been a fed forever. He's been all over the East Coast, West Coast, also all over the place doing some really cool stuff, and good dude. And Gene, meet Clint. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Clint, I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of disappointed. You, 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 you've got a hat on. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I am. I am fascinated <laughs> by naval special warfare and hair. Like, yeah, well, you guys, yeah. there it is. Yeah, it is unfair. It's beautiful, isn't it? It, it, is, it is. I mean, I mean, strictly platonically, it's it's a great head of hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first time I became aware of you, you did a, a talk at the International Spy Museum. It was uh, someone had recorded it. Oh yeah, like, that guy's got great hair. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd love to. I, I'll plug uh, Bubs. It's uh, Bubs MCT oils and collagen. It makes my hair and my skin so vibrant. I love it. Mm. <laughs> wow, I did not realize we we're going to jump right into the hair products, but Martha. I do need some of that. I need some of that beard oil, some of that good stuff. Well, yeah, that and that, that's where you have to plug Johnny Slicks. You know. Oh yeah, exactly. They do a good job. So there you go. Those my two plugs for two companies I I love. We're going to, you know, today I want to talk about, listen, Clint, you can kill someone with a toothpick. And, you know, because it's part of the agency. It's like maybe a really yeah. thin toothpick. But, hey, um, this new book, I have your other books. I love your other books. I love learning all sorts of self-defense and tactics and all this stuff. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm almost 50. So when I was growing up, we'd have these Black and Decker books. Remember the Black and Decker books, how to build a shed, how to do this, how to do that? Oh, yeah. This my and my dad had one, and we brought that with us every. We had it for every time we moved. We, I'd always find that book, but this new killing well, and protecting. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, you know, a hundred deadly skills was that series, and the other things that I do, which I fall under the the umbrella of crisis management, is all about surviving minutes or seconds, minutes, hours, and days, right? And then I was thinking to myself, you know, that's all good stuff to know. And every person should know it and hopefully never use it. But the rugged life, that is more, let's concentrate on a lifestyle that creates an air gap between you and crisis, right? It's not prepper stuff, right? Because preppers, they buy shit and they throw it in a closet and wait for, you know, zombies. Um, but that's not, that's not how you thrive. If you want to thrive and really insulate yourself from everything that's been going on, that means increase your level of self-reliance. Start actually doing things for yourself. Start learning some new hard things and start implementing them into your lifestyle. And now that's like the ultimate crisis management because the more reliant you are, the less crisis 
can mess with you, whether it's a virus or whether it's, you know, you know, economic fallout, supply chain issues. I mean, the more you start doing for yourself, the less you rely on anything else. And that's really the goal of the rugged life is allow people options, backup plans, and they can start small or they can go big. It's their choice. But I built the book so that they can take the small step or the big steps. It's, it's choose your own adventure, if you will. And it's not just tailored to any certain thing. One thing I'm, I'm going through it. I'm looking, I'm spinning through the pages. I'm like, there's goats and there's how to feed the goats. There's how to shelter the goats. So you're not only dealing with the food, you're, you're dealing with the food at the source and how to take care of that food and how to take care of like, you know, goats all over. And, you know, (laughs) in this world of goats, everybody needs a goat. That's right. It's uh it's it's all about be your own, right? I've been concentrating on be your own protector, be your own 911, right? That kind of stuff. But now it's like, no, you need to be your own farmer, be your own butcher, be your own hunter uh, as well because it's really those those skills, those hard skills that that are probably more necessary um, and at least know how to do it just in case. It's okay to go to the store, it's okay to still use your iPhone. I'm not saying you know, throw your technology away and go create little house on the prairie. Um, I'm just saying, hey, just just make sure you know some other stuff so that w- if a good day goes bad, then you've got these uh, alternate ways of of uh, sourcing yourself instead of letting other people source you. The other thing, too, that it touches on is not just how to source survival, how to not survive, but hygiene. How to cut hair for men and women and how do you, I've never used a straight razor. I mean, yeah. maybe that's the reason I have a beard, but how to use a straight razor. So I'm like, this book isn't, it really covers a ton of topics and how many pages we got here? 260 plus pages. It yeah. covers what you really, it's like a life manual. Like I would give something like this to my kids and just so people know Clint doesn't pay me for this. <laughs> about this book. Yeah. So I really do suggest this book for everybody because I mean it really does get into the day-to-day things that make you rugged. Yeah, it it goes back in time a little bit. I kind of call it it's like the analog way of doing things, right? Which most people have forgotten because we're relying on digital so much. It's things that every man, woman, and child knew just less than 200 years ago. Um, and it's the modern version of that. I keep stressing to people because I don't want people thinking that this is like, okay, go out in the boonies and isolate yourself and don't talk to people and be a weirdo and, and, and do all this stuff for yourself. It's, it's a modern guide to self-reliance, meaning, Hey, there's a lot of cool products you can order off Amazon or you can learn on your phone that allow you to be more self-reliant and start just, taking some ownership in it, right? These skills of the forgotten. I've told people too, it's like dad, these are like the dad skills that dads aren't teaching anymore, right? It's the stuff my dad was taught by his father and his father was, you know, like a lot of our grandfathers were World War II dudes and they knew how to do everything. Like my grandfather knew how to build a home. I mean, he was a general contractor here in the Dallas area when he came back from World War II and he could build an entire house by himself. And he knew plumbing. He knew the, the electrician side of it. He knew the architecture design, the lumber, the nails, all the power tools you can think of. And on top of that, he could cook a good meal. <laughs> you know, So 
guys don't know this shit anymore. And I was kind of going back like, you know what? And I kind of forgotten some of it myself, even though I was raised with that type of stuff. You know, I was my dad's gopher for everything. My dad was an engineer, so he could tear an engine block apart and put it back together and never refer to one manual. He was that kind of guy, and I was the kid going and grabbing the wrenches and grabbing the hammers, or I was the one crawling across this dark 120-degree insulated attic in the middle of Dallas summer, going to that corner to run a wire for him for external lighting because he couldn't fit, and you know, and I'm crawling across and doing these things. And I just feel like, no, no, what kids are doing that anymore? Right. Are they anybody is any, are there any dads out there making their kids do this shit anymore? And I bet a majority of them aren't because we all, we outsource everything and we don't know how to do anything for ourselves anymore. This book, if you can't tell, I'm passionate about like, no, restore that part of it. Get people doing shit for themselves again. And you're integrating in there, the building techniques. The weight, what do you do with waste? What do you do with power? How do you get power? Yeah. And then you have the van life, make a container house. You yeah. know, I live outside the city. There's not a lot I could do here, but one thing I, I'm doing is I'm teaching my son how to work on cars because I could do that in my driveway. Hey, yeah. we're going to put in a cold air intake on the uh, on the Jeep. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. This is how you change. This is how you check oil, blah, blah, blah. If I lived and I had some acreage, you're damn right. <laughs> I would just grab a container and just do it to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much you can do. Uh, shipping containers have become super popular. They're fiscally sound, right? I mean, you can get one that's insulated, climate controlled, ready to go, and then drop it on your land for probably around 40,000 bucks. And for those that don't know what a shipping container is, look at an 18 wheeler driving past you as you listen to this. I mean, that's a shipping container and you can get them customized with all kinds of Gucci type, you know, uh, 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 whatever, you know, like you can have a, a, a garage door put in a pedestrian door. I mean, there's just so many ways you can modify these things and customize it to whatever you want. And then, uh, and then use them, live in them, whatever, use it as a garage, use it as a hobby, use it as a, as a hobby, a uh, hobby shop, or use it as a, you know, a man cave, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're awesome. And then van life. Yeah. Van life has become super popular taking a van and converting it and going and being more nomadic, which is another piece I enjoy. I've got a van. I go and I cruise around. I'd much rather take a van than fly. Um, and plus, you're getting to see the United States while you go to wherever it is you're going. And you're going to pay that gas bill no matter what these days, whether it's the airplane or in your car. I just rather I just rather pay for the fuel in my car than pay for the fuel on an aircraft. <laughs> The, the, I think the theme that carries through Hunter Deadly Skills and the workbook and, and the rugged life is the ability to shorten the radius of risk by knowing all of the variables, by knowing um, the, one of the things you discuss in Hunter Deadly Skills, and we're not back there, but it always comes to mind is how all restraints are temporary, how to escape temporary restraints. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you know how to do that, you've greatly shortened your radius of risk. And and yeah. and the rugged life, I think, is just kind of instructions on how to shorten that radius uh, while, while you're going through all these risk management exercises. If you don't have to invite people into your home to do this work for you, 
you're more secure. Right. No, yeah, you nailed it. And that's a great way to put it, Gene. I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, and another one, like when I was on mic drop, Mike thought the other version too is like the more self-reliant Americans are, if the if more of us were that way, you're actually increasing national security. Because think about it, as we insulate ourselves, whether you go into like international import, export, you know, discussions or the supply chain issues that we're having right now, which is very much an international problem affecting our nation, you know, the more you're doing for yourself, the more secure our country actually becomes. And the less we start outsourcing from all these other countries because, oh, fuck, I'm just going to do it myself, you know. And um, But you you bring up another point. You're, you're decreasing all of that risk also by doing it yourself, which is a great security component to a, to a lifestyle that, you know, you're already living this, right? We all need food. We all need water. You're just figuring out these alternative ways of doing it so that just in case. Or you can make it your primary. It's It's really your choice. This episode brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Head over to Big Tech's Ordinance right now. Use code protectors and get an extra discount off of your order. The great thing about Big Tech's Ordinance is if you order something, that means it's in stock, meaning ready to ship. Most of the time, ships out the same day. And a great thing is they have awesome optics. Everything you need from Trigicon on. Head over to Big Tech's Ordinance right now. Use code protectors and get that awesome fast Fast, fast shipping. Oh, and by the way, their customer service beyond reproach. Use code protectors, bigtexordinance.com. So, you know, to, to, to talk about the, the national security aspect of this, um, I, I forget which high ranking member of the, the, the Japanese hierarchy in the beginning of World War II, they were talking about invading the continental United States. And the quote was, well, behind every blade of grass, blade of grass there's an American with a gun. And I don't think that speaks more about guns than it does about self-reliance. Yeah. Yeah. Being capable. I I yeah. I don't know how many people are actually capable anymore. How many people are an asset or, or are they a liability? You know, and the goal is, hey, be a fucking asset. You, you have the, if you, you got the time. We've, you know, we're in a great country where you probably got the time and you probably got the money. You know, even if, even no matter how poor you are, you still have the time and the money to be self-reliant. You talk about you traveling all over the country, too. And you, great point, being self-reliant. Now, the grit between someone that lives in a city compared to someone that lives outside the city is another aspect of this whole thing. It's like if you've been city life, a, a rough day for you is if Starbucks doesn't have your, the creamer you want or some crap. <laughs> yeah. You know, what happens when yeah. the power goes out? What happens when you have to be resilient? You know, power goes out for 24, 48 hours. Things start getting a little hinky. You got to yeah. come up with that evade, escape and evasion plan. And when you get there, you've got the hundred deadly skills. But now you have to have, I always say when power goes out, you should have things to rely on. And I just lifted up the book and I'm saying, you know, not you're not always going to have electronics handy. That's right. You have it in physical form, which is also rare, like have a library of knowledge that can guide you through problems. And, you know, we're kind of going into that high right world of national security and self, you know, like kind of because it's e- because it's so easily forgotten. It wasn't just but a year or two ago you had social unrest in every major city across the United States. 
dumpsters on fire, stores being looted, and we've already kind of gone, oh, yeah, well, that's gone. But <laughs> people forget it could happen again, you know, and and it's not fear-mongering. It's just now that we've lived all these different events, it's just reality, and I find it interesting that people still want to be stubborn and not really embrace some of this stuff. They just rather wait till the next crisis, wait till the last minute to buy their toilet paper. <laughs> I, I don't even know what decorations to put up for monkeypox season. Oh, I mean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I thought I had some blisters on my hands today, too. I was like, oh, monkeypox. <laughs> oh, geez. I don't even want to talk I need about a vaccine that. for that. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? There is my favorite chapter is chapter number seven. Be your own protector. Yeah, it's just for be you. Your own pro- oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, the be your own protector thing is not just for yourself. It's for your family. You owe it to them. Yeah. You know, this all resolves around like, you know, we could be self-reliant. We could rely on ourselves to protect ourselves. But the protector to me is always like protect that family. And in that chapter, you do have a lot of different areas, whether it's shelter, whether or not it's the, the bump in the night. There's a lot of different things around it. So protector to me is just that is kind of what all this accompanies to accompanies that back to is like. 100 Deadly Skills, Rugged Life, it all comes up to you being a protector. Who are you protecting? Yourself and your others, your loved ones. So I yeah. love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, That one was cool because, like, you know, us being in the security world, you know the the five or the six Ds, right? And um, being able to take more of a corporate kind of security posture, a layered system, and deliver it. Um, to the average person, I think is just going to give them just such a great advantage over bad guys, you know? So we know that, you know, the D's, the big one is just deter, right? The first one, that's your outermost perimeter and that signage. It's, it's all kinds of things that say without saying it, don't come here. Don't even bother stopping at my place, whether it's, you know, I love the second amendment or I've got dogs, but whatever sign it is, put it out there and put it as far away from your home, which is your primary asset as possible. So that the bad guys just keep on going by, but those five to six D's and how it layers, I think is, is the the best part of the be your own protector chapter without a doubt. I love that kind of stuff anyway. You and me both. I'm like, I, I keep looking around my, my office here and I'm like, huh? training gun safety these are other things that like people need to get to that next level yeah you know i like that there's a chapter and that's the thing the book is tailored to is not to just the people like me and gene and you that have some sort of background whether it's law enforcement military or whatever this is a good for an everyday person saying oh you know what i want to step it up i don't necessarily need to know how to like you know break someone's throat like with marcus torgerson Telling you something, or, or you know, <laughs> Pat Mac teaching you how to like oh, destroy yeah. someone, but there's like skills that you need. So I'm digging it, man. Yeah, you're right. It's more lifestyle, right? That's the yeah. that's the goal. These are lifestyle things. You still need to know how to protect yourself and go on the offense if if necessary. But um, this is the stuff I feel like. Whoa, I was like, this is actually the more important stuff. Like, what is my what are how am I going to source? protein and how am I going to source vegetables? How am I going to source all these things that you need in order just to breathe each day, you know, and it kind of gets left behind and, and I get it. 
right? Be your own farmer. That doesn't sound interesting to a lot of people, but I think once they dig into it, because I wasn't interested, to be honest with you, I was like, what? Uh, you know, it's, it's important. So I got to cover it. But it wasn't until I actually went and visited these families, these homesteads that do this all the time that I went, whoa, this is actually pretty cool. Like there's things that I, that's what I tried to do is go take all the things that I thought was cool and put them in to the chapters I felt were like maybe less interesting to most, you know? Um, And you're always going to have chapters like that when you're building anything, but I think people will be surprisingly interested, you know, whether you have a windowsill that has light on it for, you know, four hours a day, you can grow, you know, all kinds of cool stuff on that windowsill living in, you know, metropolitan New York city. Right. And that's the goal is like, it doesn't matter if you live in an urban environment, suburban environment, or out in the middle of nowhere, this book has stuff in it for you. Well, these are the skills that, that keep you in the gray. They, they, being being self-reliant in this manner is it keeps you from standing out in the crowd when you're not out looking for things you don't you don't have to stand in line for two hours at sam's club for toilet paper yeah Yeah, yeah. right those are people who stand out you're like oh those are the people who didn't prepare okay super cool not going to be them yeah so that that self-reliance and that 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 maintenance of a short radius risk really helps you achieve being the great person. See yeah. how I did that? See, I, I'm, I'm on person now. I'm no longer gray man. I'm in gray person. This is- That's right. You are politically correct, buddy. Proud of you. And <laughs> hey, with, you know, what's funny with that, What you know where we're good at that? Guys that like guns and hunting and all that, you know what's funny is we're real good about stocking up on ammunition and we do mm-hmm. it when it's not popular, right? Because that's when you get the cheapest bullets. <laughs> as soon as, you know, there's active shooters in the news or any of this, you know, we're going to, you know, regulate and and do all the things that now this is the worst time to go buy bullets. But the ill-prepared, this is when they're buying them. They're going to spend double the money and get far less when the reality is it's the kind of thing you do when it's not in the news and when no one's talking about it. And that's how you have to treat the skills in the rugged life. Be doing it now before there's a crisis instead of waiting for the crisis or at least know how to do it if a crisis strikes. Right. I mean, but people, the majority don't want to do that. They don't, they want to wait until it's in their face and then they start scrambling for the answers. You know, Clint, there's, I, I love that. But there's another thing about this book. You had to probably actually do a lot of stuff in this book. Now, my father-in-law, farmer, he's got goats. Did you actually get out there and did you milk the goats? I did with one family. They kind of gave me, and I'd, I'd already, I'd already messed with teats before in my life. Yeah. <laughs> as have I. As have I. Very, very teats. They've uh, been in my hands, and it's all about rolling your fingers, no matter which ones they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think be- between the protector chapter and the thing about goats and how to make goat cheese and stuff, there's I, I just <laughs> I love the thing is I love YouTube and I love learning shit. I just yeah. I need to, and that's we need more books like this. You have a hundred? Are we going to have like the the rugged life combat edition or the rugged life something edition later on? You know, it might. It we'll see. You know, the publishers are kind of weird, so. If it, it's doing great, it's doing great. So as long as it continues on the track that it that it is, it it, it might 
they've already kind of mentioned there might be a sequel of some form or fashion that digs into other aspects, but you know, we'll see. I hope so. I love, I love the one thing I do and the biggest part of building any book that I enjoy is traveling and meeting the people who live it and breathe it every day, whether it was combat edition or actually any of them. I've always, I don't consider myself an expert in anything. I love though going and visiting with the experts and learning from them. And then I feel like my job is to simplify, you know, and then put it in a manner that makes it easy for everyone else to understand. And, um, that, that's the piece I enjoy. And I hope, I hope I get an opportunity to do it again for sure. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Outside of the book, which is doing great because I have a copy and I got a copy from my neighbor. So we're all good. That's <laughs> two. You, you're two. Actually, yeah. I think you guys might have sent me one free, but I did buy one. I did uh, buy okay. one. Yeah, good. And I gave that one to my neighbor. But the podcast, I love the podcast, man. Can you survive this podcast? And I remember when, you, when I first had you on, you just, I think you were just taking it over or you yeah. were going to launch it later on. That is a good deal. It's a good podcast, man. How's it going with that? Oh, I appreciate that. It's good from fellows. You're a veteran podcaster. So anytime I get a, a pat on the back, I, I appreciate it, man. Um, it, it's going good. I think, you know, once again, I'm always looking for the unique, uh, creative, yet informative way to deliver safety, security, and survivability to anyone, right? So, the books obviously are always illustrated for crayon eaters like me. And then, you know, the podcast is delivered in a manner that's entertaining that hopefully, you know, if the, if the scenario is zombies chasing you down, the best practices that we concentrate on are the same best practices that work against an active shooter. Right. And that's really the goal is they're hearing it in a more informative, entertaining environment, but hopefully it sinks in enough to where if they find themselves in a bad situation, they go, Oh yeah, I can barricade a door. It's not by stacking shit up. It's by putting things parallel and up against the opposite wall. So the opposite wall from the door becomes the wedge and no one's going to get in. And, um, anyway, so it's it's hoping that any of that information just sinks in in some form, any format, whether it's audio, reading a book or or listening to this podcast. You know, it's all you want is get those skills out there, those techniques and hopefully save save some lives or at, at the minimum, just keep people ready. Yeah, I, I would tell everybody to subscribe to Can You Survive This Podcast? It is one of the top 0.5 percent podcasts in the world. I just checked that out global rank of 52 which listen score 52 global rank 0.5 so really awesome yeah listen okay. notes they kind wow. of tell you what's going how on how do you look that stuff up hey, <laughs> podcaster you gotta look it up <laughs> it's a, that existed <laughs> yeah i didn't know until about a about six seven months ago if i was like huh where am i at so I was looking on there and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Kind of out of 2.6 million podcasts. One thing about the listen notes is let's say huh. not two, there's not 2.6 million active podcasts right now. So even out of that, you're still doing awesome. Like you're still probably like you're probably up in the top 0.5, top 1% of podcasts out there based on listeners. Cause not many people, there's not a lot of audience, if you know yeah. what I mean for yeah, 2.6 yeah. that's pretty neat i i love tracking all that stuff <laughs> that's pretty cool i had no clue thanks for that though <laughs> yeah, 0.5 percent i'll you know 
the 0.5% club. That's cool. Yeah. We get like a little play button like YouTube. I wish. You know, I, that'd be awesome. I get like a little play button behind me. Where's but everybody, your, where, where is this podcast? Uh, as far as ranking? Yeah. Where are you? Uh, well, I, my list note is 50, which means I'm a little bit lower than you, but it's 0.5%. Yeah. Awesome. Getting there, brother. Yeah. Love it. You should be way up there. 350 episodes in. That's badass. Well, I appreciate you coming. I really do appreciate you giving your time to the show and always supporting everything that's going on. And I really looking forward to having you back on. And if you ever come out to DC area or if you ever head down to Georgia, you can see Gene. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the same applies for you guys. You ever find yourself in Texas and you want to come on the podcast in person, I'd love to have you. Otherwise we can do zoom, but uh, let's do it, man. I'd love to come on that show. Okay. Let's do it. I'll survive some shit. Southwest border. How to blow the whistle and survive. I can't, I don't know why. I, I never know when a door is going to get kicked in. You never know, man. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, awesome, man. Well, yeah, we'll get you on and uh, we'll get that lined up. That'll be fun. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Clint. And Gene, thanks for co hosting again. No, Any final no. thoughts, Gene? Uh, well, it was it's, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Mr. Emerson. Really, 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 really great to meet you. Um, but um, I'm a little worried about your preoccupation with goats, Jason. <laughs> I'm goats, man. I, yeah, you've been back. You've been back to goats. I counted six times since we started. Hell yeah, goats are where it's at, man. You got milk, you got food, all sorts of stuff. I'm just, we're we're going to talk about this off air. <laughs> yeah.